0: Welcome to another Moment with MAPA podcast. I'm Karna Loewenstein with MAPA, and I'm also the Heartland 2050 Coordinator. MAPA is the Metropolitan Area Planning Agency, which is a regional council of governments serving eastern Nebraska and western Iowa. So we bring local and regional officials together with citizens to connect and plan for the future. Heartland 2050 is the community-driven planning initiative that I lead. We encourage stakeholders from across the region to think big picture and work towards a common vision for the Omaha-Council-Bluffs metro area. Today, we're talking about the cost of owning a car in the metro. I have as a guest today, Steve Jensen from Jensen Consulting.
1: I think one of the things that um, we don't often think about when we think about owning a car is not just the cost of the car, but what it means in terms of your income. And so one of the things I talk about with folks when we talk about um, that cost is that for someone to own a car in today's um, world, the the estimates are anywhere from $6,000 to $9,000 a year to own and operate um, and ensure a a reliable vehicle. Um, But when you put that into dollars and cents and a typical um, uh, wage, what that amounts to is anywhere from $3 to $4 or $5 an hour that you're going to have to make in order to afford that car. So somebody who's making $10 an hour, for example, um, that's uh, really cutting their effective wage uh, down to maybe $7 or $6 an hour. Uh, Or the reverse would be if they could give up their car and had a job where they could use mass transit or uh, walk to work even better. Um, they're essentially giving themselves a, a 3 to $4 an hour pay raise. Uh, one of the other things I think that comes out of that that people don't think about is that for people in that um, uh, range of income, if they were to have another 3 or $4 an hour in their pocket, uh, they're likely to spend that, and they're likely to spend it locally. When you look at where the money goes when it comes to car ownership, Um, Some of that money goes to the loan that they may be paying. Now that may be a loan that is with a local institution, but it could be a national institution. It also would be uh, money that uh, would go for gas or oil. That kind of thing would also go to a national company. Uh, They would spend money on insurance that would go to a national company. So that money that they're spending, to a great extent, goes outside the community. And so it really doesn't roll around or or generate more uh, revenue inside the community. If they instead could keep that money, they're going to spend it on local things. So they may spend it on food, they may spend it on clothing, they may spend it on their housing. Those tend to be more local in nature, which then start to uh, recycle and move through the economy and generate more income. So so the community comes out ahead. From a tax standpoint, the city may get sales tax revenue you may get revenue from increased property values that come from their ability to rent a better uh, place to live or have a better place to live. So, you know, I think it makes a big difference um, in, in their own lives and also in terms of the community as a whole.
0: The thing that I'm thinking about too is from the aspect of reliability. Uh, if, if I mean, I've been in a situation in my life where the car that I had wasn't the most reliable and then if I had to make any kinds of repairs, That might be a lot of stress on my budget so maybe i don't get as repaired as quickly as i'd like Uh, if if i was relying on that as my transportation to get to work that's going to be a big problem for me whereas if i'm relying on transit or if i live in close proximity and i can walk i should be able to get to work very reliably every day on time uh, you know sort of without fail and so i would think from an employer's standpoint that that's more attractive
1: Absolutely, you know my wife and I did foster care for many years, and we had uh, children that would uh, ha- that were getting into their teens. they'd get a job and and for the most part they were able to walk to work. Uh, if they didn't, um, they might be able to ride a bicycle to work or we might be able to take them if it's sort of to and from where we were headed. but you're right if if they um, had when they uh, uh, sort of left our house and and got out on their own. Uh, one of the things we helped them do, because living in Omaha, you needed a car, we helped them find ways to get that car that was then reliable. But we always told them, if at all possible, try to live as close to transit as possible, because uh, if that car fails you, uh, you still have to get to work. And, you know, that's a, that reliability is a huge thing for uh, employers as well. I, I remember Kurt Simon uh, with Metro telling me years ago when a new uh, target was being built uh, near one hundred and thirty second maple. We had in the zoning code for the city of Omaha an incentive for companies that would need less parking if you know would be required to have less parking if they were on a bus route if they accommodated the bus and the folks at target were weren't interested in that, so they had their huge parking lot but after they, as they were getting ready to open, they called Kurt and asked him if he could run a bus out to their target because they were having trouble getting workers. And so that is an issue uh, in particular in the w- western parts of Omaha where uh, transit is um, less frequent and, and sometimes not even available.
0: Isn't it true that employers could save money if more of their employees take transit.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting, I, I was just in a meeting this morning uh, working on campus planning uh, at UNMC, and they have instituted a program there that um, uh, has really helped them in terms of getting their employees to and from work and also reducing their parking costs, because uh, they have been able to um, uh, not have to buy more land, not have to spend the money on a parking garage. It's one of the things that certainly ties into our planning in downtown and what we're trying to do there. And so I think it's great both ways because it it saves the employer money, it saves the employee money. Uh, it, in, it uses less land that can be devoted to something more productive. And so you put all of those pieces together and everybody benefits if we can uh, make better use of transit and make it possible to live without the car.
0: Well, something I found out that I wasn't aware of or didn't, really just didn't understand before was the idea that a, a parking garage, if we put in a big parking garage in, somewhere in the urban core area, that it doesn't generate a lot of tax base uh, that comes back to the city in, in the form of revenue. Whereas it, you can explain. I'm sure you can explain it better. But if it's something different was put on that same space, it might make a lot of difference to the tax base. So, can you explain how that works a little bit?
1: Well, sure. I think in in our last conversation, we talked about how in the early days in in downtown uh, um, work and getting to and from work was tied to uh, the streetcar system. Most people came to work either walking or using transit. Uh, and that that the production of goods and products was also tied to rail, so you had vertical manufacturing. So you had virtually all of the land in in the urban core um, devoted to uh, um, a use other than parking. Parking came along in the 20s uh, uh, through the, the 40s, but for the most part, that parking was on street, and so it really didn't take up a lot of land either. Um, but after World War II, when we moved into the era of, of using the automobile as our primary mode of transportation, little by little in downtown Omaha, we saw more and more land devoted to the automobile in the form of parking lots originally and then later parking garages. And that's very expensive, so you look today at the cost of a parking stall in a garage, might be 25000 or more per stall. Um, so right. it's
0: I'm going to interrupt you there, explain what you mean when you say 25000 per stall, because that doesn't mean as a consumer I'm paying $25,000 to use that stall. So what are, what are those costs involved in that 25000
1: Sure, the cost of constructing that parking garage you can is a rule of thumb, say $25,000 per parking stall. So if you had a, um, a 600 car uh, a parking garage, you're looking at millions and millions of dollars to, to build that garage. So, you know, in downtown, although it costs a lot to construct that garage from a tax standpoint, um, it may not generate much in the way of taxable value on the property because it's calculated differently from the standpoint of the county assessor. On the other hand, if that same land had a building on it, it's going to generate a lot more property tax revenue. So from from a, a tax standpoint, you're going to get a lot less land. And so when you look at downtown Omaha, uh, back in the 40s, you saw very little land devoted to parking, so most of the land had a building on it, generated a lot of taxable income uh, for the uh, taxing authorities. Today, um, maybe 50 percent of the land in downtown uh, ends up having some form of um, uh, transportation-related um, use. So, whether it's right of way or it is um, parking lots or parking structures, we've devoted a lot of our land in downtown to um, uses other than buildings.
0: Well, I understand too. This this revolves kind of a switch in thinking because usually we're thinking, you know, lower taxes is better. But in this case, the idea of more taxable land that could bring revenue back to the city that the city can use to do other things, other needed services and uh, uh, amenities uh, to all of us, uh, it, it's a good thing. And so seeing a lot, you know, endless endless acres of parking lots is not really what we wanna see.
1: Right, and, and you know, when you think about it, it's not just the city, um, one big impact has been on the Omaha public school system. So if you think about downtown being that um, generator of tax revenue for the Omaha public school system when it was really um, heavily developed with buildings, um, that was a big source of revenue. Today, as that land has converted from, from building and jobs uh, to uh, parking, that revenue uh, you know, goes down. So, um, so it's not just the city of Omaha, it's all of the taxing entities, and, and OPS is certainly one of those. Um, so yes, the more land we could devote to buildings, the more jobs we would have in downtown. The more jobs we have in downtown, the closer proximity to lower income neighborhoods, places where those jobs are really important. Um, and so one of the things we saw in downtown between 1963 and today is that we had 48,000 jobs in downtown in 1963, um, and we had about 25,000 parking stalls. today. We have about 27,000 jobs in downtown, and we have around 42 or 3,000 parking stalls, and at any given point in time, about half of those stalls are empty. So we're really devoting a lot of land to very low value property that doesn't generate a lot of taxes, and we're taking land that could otherwise be used for buildings and jobs.
0: And I understand when we compare ourselves to other metro areas that might be similar, that uh, the amount of parking that we have allocated is is almost like an outliner it's like it's way out of whack with uh, what we see with other uh, similar metros is that correct
1: absolutely if you look at all of our neighbors the major cities surrounding us whether it's minneapolis or denver or kansas city or chicago or st louis uh, you know all of those cities have invested more in transit and and and, uh, as a result have much more dense downtowns. And so Denver, for example, has about the same number of parking stalls as Omaha in its downtown, uh, so around 42,000, 43,000 parking stalls. But uh, where we have 27,000 jobs, they have over 125,000 jobs in their downtown. So, you know, again, that's a place where we think Omaha could really benefit from investing more in transit and relying less on the automobile.
0: Okay, so I think what we've learned today, or certainly what I've learned, is there there's a, a high price tag to an auto-centric uh, metro area, not that everyone or anyone who wants to drive a car can't, but the idea that if I would like to get to work other ways or need to get to work or uh, the things that I need to do other ways, that there's options available for me, and that it's not just... A burden on those trying to get to work it's a burden on the employers and I can see that there's benefit to us as a metro area to looking at things from a different way and maybe taking a different strategy in the future so I thank you for your time today it's just been another moment with MAPA and uh, today featuring Steve Jensen of Jensen Consulting mm-hmm.